when you actually want to think about praxis, when mm. you actually want to think about how ideas are enacted, mm. the youth are doing it. And it's mm. so inspiring. I know this sounds like... Um, just like the most like basic bitch, like, oh my God, people think about well, things and do them and they're young. But it's like, you know, one of those things where it's like actually like listening to people who are younger than you, which is something that, you know, I kind of did when I was like a lecturer and whatever, like learning from different people is like how we develop much more cohesive collaborative forms of knowledge, you know? And like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's just amazing. But Dan, I just want to say, right, yeah. that I think the youth are the future except for in one regard and that regard <laughs> that regard right is fashion oh. okay so I was at this party and like okay like I was like just looking around and like I'm not joking some of them some of them look so shit <laughs> so wait was I this was all like, just a what? big build up to you like all of this praise for like intergenerational <laughs> knowledge sharing for the for you know them putting their their act you know their sort of principles and their sort of ideology where they're you know it, it, into practice and so on all of that was just um a big caveat for you saying these guys dress like shit basically but no but you know what i think i okay so like i'll, I'll tell you the story right is that i'm there I love it. and there are these there are like people and they are just so beautiful but they're like honestly dressed like in like cyber goth vibes like that they they look like they shopped in Cyberdog in like 1994 when it was created, you know? They're like <laughs> literally wearing some kind of like neon piping on like a bikini kind of vibe. What? And like, so, and like, but but this is my point, right? This is what I think. I was there and I was like, okay, one, they must know that this looks like bad, but two, <laughs> they must think it looks edgy, so right. it must be good. And three, is it that they're like, I'm so young that I'm so beautiful that I can just wear whatever I want. Is it them? Is it them really sticking, you know, like two fingers up at older people and being like, do you know what? Yeah, I know. I know this shit is hideous, but do you know what? I look fucking excellent. And if it is, I respect them more. <laughs> <laughs> like knowingly wearing bad clothes in order to like, oh, it's an intriguing pr proposition. I love it. Um, I, do it. I mean, none do of them. It, you know, like if you got it, flaunt it. None of them would ever admit it if that were the case. Um, you, you need to. I, yeah, like oh, my aesthetic is looking like shit from Camden and in yet the nineties. Still looking good. But do you know what I am? Yeah, <laughs> still looking better than you, even if you tried really hard. I mean, I love the energy, to be honest. So today, I kind of wanted to. I was kind of inspired by this. I was thinking about this quite a lot, yeah. and I wanted to think about. Um, Especially this idea of like youth subculture and like why do young people dress the way that they do? And um, I guess like where do they hang out? Places like Camden Town used to be like a real um, area where like youth, youth subcultures would like coalesce. And I think that it's still a place that's like very much haunted by that. Although mm. who is now hanging out there, I think has changed so much with the gentrification of the area but also you know i want to think about how like the internet has changed how how teens shop for their for their identities online i kind of wanted to think today about um a so <laughs> when i was a kid it might it might shock you dan i know that you're really easily shocked but i would hang out in camden <laughs> <laughs> i was friends with this girl farah and she was like really into the kind of 
alternative K-pop scene, I guess. And she would like hang out in the Trocadero, like playing all of those like um, dance machine things. Hmm. But she would also, she had a bit of a kind of cyber gothy kind of edge. Can you tell, can you just, sorry to interrupt, but can you tell us what, what cyber goth is? Yes. Okay. All right. So I'll tell you through this story, right? right? So I knew this girl and she was like, she was super cool, super energetic. She would like go to cams and she got me into smoking these cigarettes called jar and blacks, which mm-hmm. were like clove flavored cigarettes. They were like black. So you looked like super goth. <laughs> um, she went to Cyberdog, which is this, it started off as a stall in Camden and it um, kind of exclusively, it's kind of to imagine it, it always had these out the front. It's really impressive, I guess, if you've never been or seen it. There's like these two giant kind of like metal, almost like Oscar statues, like two like metal giant robots basically <laughs> outside. And you go in and it kind of like mimics like a club, but everything is like um, fluorescent, basically. Everything shows up under UV light. Yeah. And like they had like outposts in like Brighton, which did really badly, but it was also really, really funny. Whenever I walked past, I'd always laugh. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's the, the aesthetic of Cybergoth is kind of, um, I want to say like fluffy uh, neon boots, right? Uh, tiny, tiny little like bikini top bra, almost things that are like super UV, like pinks, greens, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there was kind of like a bit of a thing within the Cybergoth trend to have these kind of like day glow fake dreadlocks that like what? you could like no way tie into your hair Holy yeah yeah, yeah. and like have it in bunches yeah i think it's a much maligned and kind of often forgotten subculture other than like maybe occasional like vice articles because i think in like you know they kind of want to both relish and also laugh at the subculture i was going to ask a big question here because i've only mm. i've been into Cyberdog, the home of cyber goth once in my life when I was just walking through camp. Super loud music as well. Yes. Oh my God, I'd forgotten about that. That's so true. Um, Mm. And I've never, the big question that I've never really understood is, has anyone ever thought this was cool? Like, did it have a moment? Because, you know, one of the things we want to, we're thinking about today is like, fashion, trends, how they flow in and out of being cool again, why it is that, you know, Gen Z kids are now dressing like the way that um, like I did when I was 19 in sort of 2000 uh, is, is come back around, even though to me that seems like the least fashionable way of dressing imaginable. And like it, it you know, if I find it completely baffling, mm-hmm. there are kids wearing like, like hipster jeans, as in jeans literally off your hips, um, with, which are really baggy with loads of pockets. You know, the girls are wearing like spaghetti strap kind of tops again. Like, those seem unfashionable to me. But has Cyberdog slash Cybergoth like subculture has that ever actually been cool? Or was it or maybe it was cool to the people who wore it, I wonder. I kind of think, right? I kind of think that the Cybergoth aesthetic is actually an example of international internationalism. Oh, because okay. it seems like across the continent, I feel like Spanish, Italian, like <laughs> Polish. I feel like they're kind of into it, right. but I don't think it, I think it was kind of slightly more maligned. I think it was like a kind of cross, like pan European kind of um, 
movement, I guess, that like orientated around like really bad kind of trance music. Yes. And like, I think you can still go to festivals in like Spain, probably, that are like that kind of vibe. I do kind of think um, young, I think young it, people in Europe generally are much less cool than like this is the most like nationalistic thing I'll ever say. But like, <laughs> but, like showing your true colors. Yeah, honestly, this is as UKIP <laughs> as I get. But like, when you see like <laughs> you know the 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 like you know the group of like French school kids that you sort of have to ride your bike through on Westminster Bridge because they're all like walk try and try and navigate through on the on the embankment on the South Bank um, as they wait outside McDonald's like are always always just wearing like atrocious clothes <laughs> like you know that um and there's a lot of fluo in that a lot of like a lot of uv and like neon colors in that but i yeah i i think that's a really interesting idea though it's actually kind of into that an international trance look i didn't think i weirdly didn't associate cyberdog with rave culture which is mad because that's obviously what it's supposed to be. It's just a particular type of rave culture that I don't personally engage with because I don't listen to Tiesto. Um, but <laughs> on the website, I'm just looking at the website, it does say, to be fair, on their homepage, literally their homepage, not like deep in some back alley of the website, it says raving since 94. Based in London, UK, mm-hmm. Cyberdog's clothing range has been famous throughout the universe. I mean, that's quite funny in itself, the idea that like... There are ki- there are kids on Neptune who are like, yep, gotta gotta go to Camden, <laughs> gotta gotta go to Cyberdog. I think I think it's kind of like I love the kind of um, sci-fi futurity of it. Like mm-hmm. I think it's like I mean I think the whole thing. Let me just clarify is is it is lame, right? But I really love <laughs> the idea of like because obviously you know I'm a sci-fi nerd. Like I really love the idea of like sci-fi being um, kind of like part of an aesthetic because I you know, as we've discussed, think that like sci-fi is a way of like uh, kind of imagining like alternative political realities in futures. Sure. And I don't know if that's what they're doing here, right? Maybe but... it was in 1994. Well, like, I know. In 1994, like... these aesthetics were actually, you know, had a futurity to them, right? Like, the, you know, if you look at, I, it's it, it, I'm always slightly kind of low-key moved when I sort of see rave flyers from 1993, 94, that have that amazing aesthetic of like the very wide font, you know, um, and sort of lots mm-hmm. of lots of exactly lots of space age sort of, but quite corny um, sort of uh, artwork and designs and little images around it. It's something that seems extremely dated now, though, right? <laughs> like that's the thing. It doesn't look like the future anymore. It looks like what we thought the future looked like in 1993 or four. Yeah. Well, this is what I really think is so interesting about like going to like a party now and seeing someone dress like their like cyber dog vibes because mm-hmm. there is such a, not to be a dickhead here, but complex temporalities at play. You know, there is someone co-opting a fashion movement of the 90s mm. that was hinged on the idea of anticipating a particular type of future aesthetic. Mm. But also now... Now we are in the future or what was the future then and this is what I mean about the idea that like the youth of the future because there is a kind of 
cyclical or like maybe not necessarily nostalgic because I don't think it's a looking back and yearning for a particular type of aesthetic. It's a co-option of a historic mm. practice, a historic style as a way to articulate very new, very different because they are like related to the context uh, of the time, right? Mm. Feelings, thoughts, because, okay, so for example, let me just take this right back. Right? Yeah. So um, subcultural theorist Dick Hebdige, who like wrote a book basically on uh, the meaning of style. It was called like the meaning of style, essentially. And in it, Dick Hebdige argued that um, like the style of Britain's post-war like working class, it wasn't just something. They didn't just throw on, punks didn't just throw on safety pins and like mods didn't just throw on whatever they threw on and like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. What actually was happening there is that it was a challenge to dominant ideology to uh, normalized and and expected like expected norms I guess around dress around culture around behavior and it was a way of I guess symbolically showing a form of resistance right okay. and whether or not that resistance was uh, politically and like ideologically and politically underpinned cohesively is kind of like a different matter but actually style here and this is something that me and you are really interested in as like cultural studies practice Practitioners, theorists, people who are interested in cultural studies, things that we see like dress sense or, um, I don't know, the objects that people own, they're not just, um, you know, kind of like affectations. They're not mm. just like things that people just throw together, right? Sometimes they are, but sometimes they also kind of encapsulate a very specific understanding and formulation of like the world around yeah. you right and it's a response to that and, and and the affect that goes along with that i mean that's you know exactly once again you've basically described the point of cursed objects which is like in a beautiful way like um but but that is exactly it isn't it it's the it's the idea that you know the safety pin and we will do a punk episode at some point we promise but like mm. the the idea that the safety pin in its in its in its l literal and unsubtle pointiness and spikiness <laughs> has something to say about the <laughs> about the cosseted kind of uh, British establishment of the 1970s it's it's the yes. way that and we've mentioned this on a previous episode and I'm not sure I'm completely down with this theory the idea that the return of the puffer jacket in the 2010s was in some sense like a deep deeply sort of subconscious response to the need for protection against you know, a growing sense of unease, um, of like austerity. Do you remember that? That wasn't my theory. That was yeah, that was, maybe a little strange. That was lovely, Andy strange. Beckett's yeah. theory, and I love Andy Beckett. But um, yeah. but we we didn't we did we weren't down with that one. Um, and here, like you know, the the extraordinarily bright uh, neon day glow colors of Cyberdog. You know, yeah, this is pointing to the futurity, a particular type of internet-enabled modernism. And I just wanted to actually ask you, Cash, about, about the cyber aspect of Cyberdog, because I think, for me, part of the... If there is a utopianism, like a 90s utopianism mm. that's underpinning some of this uh, and was underpinning 90s rave culture, it was, it was about the utopian possibilities offered by the new emerging technology of the internet.